You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Hello, hello, my lovelies. Welcome to another episode of Ginger Arky. I'm your host, Trisha Stewart-Mann, and I have a longtime favorite of the show and of the We Are Libertarians network, Mr. Hody Johns. How are you today, Hody? Oh, I'm great. Hi, all of Trisha's lovelies. Thank you for sharing the spotlight with me today. I really appreciate it. You let me, uh, you let me on the your stage, Gingerarchy. <laughs> if I ever grow hair, I am sure it will be red. I'll That's just, uh, I'm I'll get positive. you a red wig. Yeah, I well, yeah. I mean, I uh, the red wig will be fine. You know, I, I prefer like the Ronald McDonald red. I don't Sweet. like the. I want the very obviously artificial because I don't want to be the guy that like wears a wig and denies it. I want to be like, I love this wig, bro. Like, this is my jam. I'm, I'm going to find a, a toupee that's like bright red for you. Uh, yes. Uh, there far. are a few people that aren't gingers that listen, aren't ginger anarchists that listen to this show. Just a few. So that doesn't seem right. I don't I mean. At, the, at least do what I do and shave it off in solidarity and just yeah. be like, you know, show some humility while you're listening. I, this is, we have a very defined audience here. Got to be yes. anarchists. Got to be red I have hair. cornered the market for red haired anarchists. It's, so you know, the, seven there's people listening or. <laughs> yeah. All, all, uh, all seven of them. Uh, the uh, red haired libertarians. There's a few of those accounts. There are but, some, but the well, anarchists some also call themselves libertarians. I can think of one that I had to change my Twitter name because she stole <laughs> it. Um, who is uh, actually conservative. Some of her stuff's pretty good, but she's definitely a right wing. I, I believe I know who you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know it's, yeah. It's uh, yeah. that's, uh, that tends to be a thing in the LP. When I say, that is when, when you love Donald there. Trump, you're really not. Uh, yeah <laughs> i mean he he is funny i do enjoy his uh antics sometimes his comedy's great yes. it's it's his politics <laughs> that kind of bugs yeah. me <laughs> he was fantastic in home alone um he i, I, I didn't mind that yes. and honestly his uh, celebrity has- apprentice is probably one of my favorite yeah. reality shows if you've ever yeah. seen it it's hysterical yeah the uh his stuff crust pizza advertisement was spot mm-hmm. on. Uh just just you know, for some reason all that background didn't translate very well to the White House. <laughs> Hard to believe, I know, for all the anarchists <laughs> out there. You would have thought if anybody could yeah. do it, it was gonna be him. Well, but... one is a job producing something and the other is not. Yeah. Oh uh, <laughs> <laughs> so. <Ooh>. zing. <laughs> We're gonna get him all today, Hobie. Yeah. So I brought Hody on, and it's not really an interview because it's more of like a co-hosting discussion we're having. Hody is one of my go-to people when it comes to economics. He is also considers himself an anarcho-capitalist, such as myself. Uh, and there's been a lot of buzz happening about the student loan forgiveness uh, that Joe Biden has bestowed upon some. <laughs> <laughs> so I found that there's two camps of people and we'll kind of get into the, you know, break it down a little bit today. Hody's going to be here to kind of help us understand how this plays out and where the money comes from and who it hurts. But uh, it's up to $20,000 in loans. I believe uh, Pell Grants would be the 20K and then 10K um, for other student loans. I think there's income caps, you know, you have to be of a certain income. So in that sense, I believe that middle income people will have a larger percentage of their debt or, you know what I mean, as compared to their income would be forgiven, just obviously because if you make $75,000 a year and $20,000 is forgiven, it's a lot bigger of a portion of your life than if you make two fifty. dollars which I think it was the cap. Was it two fifty? Per household for couples. Okay. So yeah, one twenty five if you're a solo guy, and uh, two fifty for for the couples. Yeah. 
So screw the single people, right? Um, no, actually, that, that <laughs> makes sense. But there's an issue with this because it doesn't solve the problem with stu- the student loan crisis. So a lot of people assume, and I made a post about it on social media earlier in the week, that I did have student loans. Now, I didn't finish school, and they weren't terribly huge. Uh, so I was able to pay them off in a timely manner. I happened to bartend at the time. And so it was really good cash. Uh, and so I was able to pay that off pretty quickly. I was actually getting married. And so I wanted to erase that before I went into a wedding and getting married. So it's bothersome to me that I found a way to do it and that other people just don't have to, even though they signed the same type of contract that I did. It's not that I am angry at them for having their debt forgiven, because I do think that it's kind of predatory, but it's also still a contract. So I find that a lot of people that pay these student loans, you know, till they're 40 or 50 years old, that they'll get a $65,000 vehicle and pay it off in five years. So um, I guess it's the difference is somebody can take away that vehicle. Nobody can take away your education or the fact that you don't value that education. So, Hody, what are your thoughts on this as far as uh, people getting angry or other people saying, why why should you be angry that somebody's debt is forgiven? Yeah, that seems to kind of be the two camps. Like, just because it was unfair, unfair for you doesn't mean it should be unfair for me. Mm-hmm. You know, do I want to, you know, the pay it forward negatively kind of thing. Right. And I think you touched on one of them. One is, uh, and I think we should probably get into this later, but uh, fixing the entire system. System is way busted. Uh, estimates are by forgiving everybody even the maximum debt amount that we can, you know, that if everybody who you have to file, right? So even if every single person files, gets their 10K off, gets the other 10K off their Pell Grants, everybody who qualifies, we're going to be back in the same debt hole in four years, right? So we are shelling out all this money to do something that this this problem is going to be literally exactly where it is today in four years. Yes, this estimate. doesn't perpetuate unless, you know, Congress, you know, they just keep doing this over and over and over, which isn't impossible. Right. Um, the other issue is uh, there was every opportunity to be fair about this. You actually could say, hey, if you're alive and you paid off over 10K loans, apply and we'll give you $10,000. The thing is, they're giving the $10,000. This is one of the big misconceptions that I wanted to get to. There's a lot of people that hear the word forgiveness and in their political maneuvering think that this is just like, I'm just hit, hitting an eraser, right? And this is this is actually a pretty common thing that when I asked, when I said, hey, I'm going to come on the show with something you want cleared up, this was probably the biggest misconception is there was a lot of thinking that this doesn't actually affect anybody because no, they are not going to add a new tax for it, but it's not like there's like an eraser where they just say, Oh, okay. You had 10,000 no, or you had 20,000. Now it's 10,000 or whatever it is. It's, this is new money that is going to enter the system. And how does new money affect the system? It has the effect of a tax on all the taxpayers because your money is that would have gone to you is in the pockets of others. And it'll affect taxpayers about an average of $2,500. And that's from really, you know, e- even left-leaning sources. So if you're getting fooled by the term forgiveness, please don't. This is truly a, uh, as with anything else that gets paid out that we don't have funded, it is it is money that we had to print. It will weaken the dollar. 
The greatest irony of this, of course, is that we just passed the Inflation Reduction Act, which at best, <laughs> at best was $30,000, 30, 30, uh, sorry, $300 billion. It's such a big number. I can't even say it. $300 billion uh, was the was as high as it was supposed to, or as much as we could possibly save. That's if we didn't count all those earmarks and we're being really yeah. optimistic, right? This is going to cost uh, like at minimum $300 billion. Mm-hmm. And if everybody, everybody, everybody applies, you're starting to look at $400 billion plus. I was hearing um, it could be up to $500 billion to our deficit. There's a GOP link going around that says it's a trillion dollars. There are studies that talk about this. Again, the GOP loves to exaggerate. Yeah. So you do have to look at it because it, it is from the Penn Wharton model, which is a valid model. But they were actually taking several models. Like if you forgive this amount, it's this. If you forgive this amount, it's this. And they took the highest end, which is like if he forgave something like 25,000 straight up, no qualifications or something, it was a trillion dollars. You know, but this was, but that's not what ended up being the thing that got discussed. So, you know, be careful with your numbers, exaggeration. We don't need to exaggerate to make this look bad. (laughs) You, you just had this big act that was supposed to save us $300 billion. And literally in the next week, you spent every single dime of it giving away student loans for, again, didn't address the problem. We'll be right back here in four years. So the Inflation Reduction Act, even if you are a big believer in it, uh, you spent it. You spent every single piece of inflation that you would have saved us. And now Americans are no better than we were before the Inflation Reduction Act. And so that kind of goes to the point. A lot of people will say, well, you know, we spend into debt, whatever this is, at least it'll help middle class and lower class people. Um, But that's not necessarily true because spending into debt uh, gets spread around and they get spread around more to the poor by things called inflation. <laughs> yep. And which is, you know, I, in my opinion, the worst tax on the poor, because if you're a billionaire and a loaf of bread is $3 instead of a dollar 50 doesn't really matter to you, <laughs> but it certainly matters to the poor. So, you know, we just keep spending into debt, um, increasing the deficit. How does this affect an every everyday American. So how does the fact that we're running, we're going to run another maybe up to 500 billion, maybe a little less, maybe a little more, how does it affect the average person that didn't go to college? Um, well, you are subsidizing the wealthy. So the top 60% are going to be receiving 70% of the funds. Those are, of course, cherry pick numbers. But then again, it was cherry picked to start with, because what it is, is you kind of said, well, we aren't going to make the super rich. Like if you're making 125k plus a year, you which know, you don't qualify for this. Which is a but, good income, but that's really not super rich by the time you pay for health care and housing. <laughs> right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and this isn't, I mean, they always talked about billionaires, right? Like yeah. we're going after the billionaires. Now you just went over somebody made $125,000. I've talked about this before. If you, uh, there's no way to have a restaurant unless you're bringing in like a million dollars a year. Oh yeah. Like uh, there's just no way to, to, with the competitiveness that there is in the food market, so the, this is if you're a small business owner, you are paying heavily to subsidize some, you know, somebody else, even if you have loans. Um, and in fact, Trisha, your point is really good because if you still have loans and you, you make 125,000, everybody, every, all the normal people look around, they're like, you had 125,000 a year. How didn't you pay that off? Most of the time you're in a type of situation where you are needing to, you bring in a lot, but to keep your business afloat, you also have to spend a lot. Restaurants are a good example, but this goes for about any retail outlet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you're a, if you're a, you know, mom and pop store, you, so subsidizing the wealthy, there's that. And the, the cost that $2,500 
approximation seems pretty good. That is per person. So probably one of the most unethical things about the Federal Reserve is I am going to make everybody's money weaker by $2,500. The least I could do is at least give them the $2,500 per person, right? This is the equivalent we are doing. And I want to stress this. This is exactly the same. What they have done is the equivalent of, say, print $2,500 per person and give it one out to every citizen of the United States. Think about what you could do with $2,500 right now, especially if you are poor, right? And so what it is, is the economy will adjust as though you just got $2,500 if you're the common person. That's how the economy will adjust. It will say every average person has another $2,500 worth of buying power. TVs will go up, food will go up, all that normal stuff we've been seeing with inflation, right? Mm -hmm. By now, it's almost absurd how much, how used we are to dealing with this, right? This just feels like life. Um, And so inflation is going to go up. And wouldn't that happen with a a cost of uh, higher education as well? Oh, yeah. So So that's that's another biggie. Whenever you subsidize anything, it's bound to get more expensive because you just say, hey, if things get too pricey, we'll bail them out because who's getting this money? The holders of the loans, yeah, your banks, your government's getting this money, right? This is these are the because they're the ones who hold the loan. Now, if I take if I give somebody a bad loan and they can't pay it, well, especially with the term of education, you actually can't take that back, right? Versus like a house with a bank, I can say like, well, at least I got the house, right? right. So if you really wanted to stick it to the banks and the rich folks. You would just say, yeah, let them bankruptcy file it. Let them just say like, yeah, discharge this. I'm not paying it. You know, but instead what they've opted to do is pay it for them. And they're saying like, well, this is great news because now I have some extra assurance that if this debt gets big, government's just going to come in and pay it off for people when they start falling more and more behind. And when a university also sees that people will get subsidized that much, well, if they could afford it before, let's just add that amount, which is, you know. What just what happens in any type of business and yep. private universities can do that. Public universities. I mean, it's it's a pretty it's pretty easy to figure out where it's going to go. Yeah, my, we subsidize my, corn. Corn shoots yeah. through the roof. It's yeah. it's really that basic. Go ahead. Uh, my daughter, my oldest daughter, is starting her freshman year um, at a very nice uh, liberal arts college here. Now, I want to stress that I'm not uh, a huge fan of taking out lots of loans. So that was something I. Um, I always stress to my kids, whatever you want to do, you can do it, but I don't believe in getting yourself in debt for a four-year degree. However, she is one of those people that loves education. She's going to college, but she did find a way, and this school is $72,000 a year with room and board, a year. She found a way to get enough grants, scholarships, worked, and got a small gift from a family member, and she only had to take $2,500 out in loans. Now, what incentive in the world would she have to do that if 10000 and she can't, so now she's going to do this for four years, hopefully figure out a way to work really hard to not take out loans, not have any extras. What incentive does she have to do that? And honestly, She's kind of thinking, I'm going to try to get the best out of this year and see where I'm at financially and see what my future holds, because it might not be worth it for me to be, you know, a a philosophy and linguistics major when, you know, I'm going to carry this on my back and work my whole way through school when I should be, you know, focusing on my education. I just think it sends a really poor message. I think, I don't think it's a very, it's encouraging to people that are going to college now. 
Yeah, again, I, and I, I, I do want to preface this whole thing by government wants us to fight with each other. They want you to fight your yeah. neighbor. They don't want you to look at the problem. So please don't mistake with what I'm about to say is in terms of like victim blaming. But but the the ultimate fact exists that think about this like with uh, healthcare, right? And what we saw happen there. If I have insurance to make sure I don't get hurt and I'm paying $200 a month out of that. Well, th- or you know, that's a lot of fun I can have in a given year that I'm not having. Right. Like if I'm paying 200 bucks a month, that's money I just plain don't or, have. Or it's gone over here or 800 if you're Trisha. Right. So like I'm paying this insurance so that if something happens to me, I'm going to be OK. Right. If I need like mm-hmm. an open heart surgery, cancer, something like that, you know, I'm forking over 200 dollars a month to make sure that I'm protected. OK. Now there's somebody over here who didn't fork over the $200 and that's fine, right? Like this is a risk. We all have to take the risk. I'm guaranteeing that I'm losing $200 so that in the off chance, I have a real problem that I'm taking care of. This person is going to enjoy their extra $200 monthly income and they're on their own if something serious happens, right? So this is the gamble that we all take. And I encourage everybody to wisely take this gamble, you know, to say, look at themselves honestly and just say like, am I ready to die? You know, cause I need this extra money. If something bad happens, am I, you know, and there's, cause there's no way to mitigate every risk in life. You know, right. I'd love to do everything. So what happens is then all of a sudden people are forced to give insurance for pre-existing conditions. Well, what was the point then? I mean, why would I, if I know that you're going to, do that for pre-existing conditions, why in the world would I get insurance until something bad happens to me? Right. Because you're required now to say, it doesn't matter. He needs the open heart surgery now. Go ahead and lock him in at the same insurance rate as everybody else. Well, there's no point then. The poor guy who paid 200 bucks a month or 800 bucks a month or whatever it may be is just out that money and gets absolutely no advantage compared to the person who said, I didn't want to take the risk at all. And then when they when their bet didn't pan out, You know, so like what you're doing is you're actually paying for the people who took the risk and messed up their risk, Right. you know, and this is the, so, so I make that analogy and this plays out well with education to say that I took this big risk, this big loan, you know, and, and now somebody else is bailing me out for it, even though you didn't take that risk. Well, that's not fair, right? People didn't get an education because they said, you know what, I'm not going to, and I don't say education, I'm not going to get that higher education because you know, I don't think it's worth the loan. You know, that's not fair for, you know, and, and and I guess not fair. It's not smart for me is what I've analyzed. And now when you're seeing people get their loans bailed out, it's like, I should have just gone, mm-hmm. right? Like I should have just done it. I should have gone to a community college. I should have gotten really cheap secondary education and got this degree. But I analyzed the risk as a market person would and not as, oh, wait, now there's big government intervention into the market. And now it's going to open up a lot of, well, if government's forgiving loans, I'm not going to pay them, you know, and because they'll just have to do this again and again, and again. Not coincidentally, this is also right before midterms. 70% of people who mm-hmm. graduate college are registered Democrats, Republicans, Independents, and Libertarians, and other party affiliations make up that other 40%. This is a blatant bribe to your base. Yes. It's, yeah. But unfortunately, that money's gone. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's it, that's all there is, right? Is you're you're bribing people who tend to vote for you anyhow to try and generate some enthusiasm. The money's gone; it's spent. You never saw it, right? And so, you know, to, and I want to be specific in answering your question. You know, what what happens? 
you know, to this, to the average person, you're just out $2,500. It's that simple. You never received it and you never will, but you paid for it and you will pay for it when it comes to your groceries, your food, your rent, and other people's higher education. You know, it's it's really not fair to the people who have buckled down and decide to say, you know what, I'm going to live within my means. Um, and fairness is a huge thing to do with it. Again, government could have done this any which way. They could have handed every person $2,500 and they chose not to do it. They could have said, hey, if you paid off your loan already, let's go ahead and file and we'll get you your some of your money back too. They didn't do it. And they had the power to do it. See, I've heard some rumors and I'm trying to, I was trying to find some good articles that you can apply for that. And then some, somebody said, no, that's a state issue. What, what's surrounding that? Because I think a, pe- a lot of people have questions, including myself, because I haven't found anything concrete on that. Yeah, you're good. So there's two issues. So the, what, the big one is the CARES Act. And that enables you that if you have paid a student loan, you can actually get money back out of your student loan. Um, and that was in now this only goes for the last two years. So it's actually since 2020. Um, so if you have paid into your student loan since 2020, you can actually take money out of that student loan. All right. Or if, if you, yeah. So if you paid off which, your which loan, which administration you have no loan. would this be under? Cares? Oh, that would be, uh, well, I think Donald Trump would have been the re-signer on that one. Yeah. I guess. Uh, <laughs> I don't know that, you know, so I don't weird. Wanna, I know. <laughs> You know, it's I don't almost like they all just keep <coughs> doing the same thing and say something else. Yeah, uh boy, especially <laughs> with physical conservatism. Yeah. But yeah, uh so so the CARES Act, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at it originally published March 27, 2020. Mm-hmm. Yep, Donald Trump, everybody. I had to look that up, but there you go. Uh so what it is is you can take money back out of it. And so what you can do, and people are talking about online, is you can say, well, I paid off my student loans, but I paid, so I paid $10,000 in the last two years. You can actually take that money back out under the CARES Act and then apply for this and then have the government pay for it. So that's pretty, that's a nice bit of a tricksy complexity for those of you who paid off your loans recently, uh, especially that, that, that is something you should look into doing. Um, the other part that you are looking at here is, uh, uh, then this is where it varies state to state. Uh, am I going to have to pay money if I take this ten thousand? Oh, there's this check thing. So federally, you do not. Uh, there is an exception within the thing that actually says, "Hey, this is this money. You can't. You know, you can't. It's not going to be federally taxed." That being said, there are thirteen states that actually don't care where the money comes from, and you, if you get ten thousand dollars. They get a slice of it. Now, if those 13 states, some of them right now are thinking, hey, should we make an exception for this thing? They may do it. Mm -hmm. And so that's something you're going to have to stay on top of. But anyhow, that's what I that's as far as the what you described to me. I think those are probably the two things at play. Yeah. Um, So we were talking about the CARES Act um, and the last two years. And what's really interesting, if you think about this, the timing of the student loan forgiveness, uh, a lot of times Biden would talk about how it was. The best time, these people are really hurting right now, and the economy is is bad, you know, their buying power is less. And so let's go ahead and do this for them right now, when in fact, for the last two years, they've carried this emergency uh, from COVID, and it's still going on, where you didn't have to pay those certain student loans, interests had halted. So in all fairness, this is actually probably the easiest time for somebody to hold student loans considering the last two years. 
I, it's yeah. almost like that got right. extended and then just forgiven. So as soon as COVID happened, there was a master plan to just like wipe this out <laughs> to please the base or something. I don't know. Sure. Well, you, you basically say, hey, you don't have to pay on it for two years. And then when things resume and you do have to pay on it, people are going to be back underwater. Most yeah. people. Do, do you think that's basically what it, what it was almost a little bit of a life, you know, I mean, a life or raft for the people I'm, that were like, oh, shit, I finally have to pay these after two years of not. I'm positive that the, and, and, in, and in fairness to most people, like one of the, and maybe this is a good segue into, into the next subject, but the, our economy is constructed in extremely unfair way. And so it's sad because you got responsible people who are playing the game, you know, and are good at playing the game and making these sacrifices, but it's like, oh, I made the sacrifice of not having kids, you know, so that I can afford to stay afloat. That's not a sacrifice people should have to make. Yeah. I like know. if you want to, if you want a kid, this should not be such a tremendous financial burden. Education should not cost what it costs. Oh my gosh. So I actually went on the uh, Department of uh, Education's website and I just generally was like, are, you know, are colleges regulated? And they're very proudly are like, oh, colleges are some of the most heavily regulated uh, you know, structured, monetarily structured, like organization. And they said this, like they're bragging, right? Like they're yeah. like, oh yeah, we don't <laughs> let people just do whatever in college. I know you're worried about it because the public education system is great. <laughs> <laughs> and now you're worried about going to college <laughs> and you're worried that all of a sudden things are going to be less regulated. No, they're actually more regulated. Like don't even worry about it. So, I mean, and this is, I mean, we can get some per personal anecdotes there. Uh, I've been to college. Almost everybody I know who's been to college has had to take useless filler courses. Mm -hmm. And why? Well, this is clearly a money grab. If I got an A in calculus in high school and you want me to take pre-algebra again because for my theology degree, yeah. well, we just want to make sure all our graduates have at least 12 credits in math. Oh, so you want me to take pre-algebra, algebra, and geometry, even though I am four classes ahead of those yeah i guess so <laughs> you know so that's like the other one waste of time the yeah, other one I, is was a, I was a vocal <laughs> performance major and a piano minor so we don't have to talk about waste uh, right i mean they stuff you full of these courses that i i get like some amount of being well-rounded right mm -hmm. like I, I mean if you're an engineer you know, my my dad goes through this, that writing reports is a pretty regular part of being an engineer. I'm not trying to like say like, oh, you know, you it's OK to be like the worst, like have absolutely no mathematical prowess at all in theology. Because, I mean, there's things like how how often should I forgive my neighbor? Well, 77 times, seven times. Or you know, there's all these cute little, <laughs> oh, how many fish were given? 40 days and 40 nights. Oh, cute. You know, you should have some concept of like what 40 is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe some kind of general thing, but I mean, you could. But aerodynamics. Well, <laughs> right. I know. And, and, yeah. and, and so they'll, they'll force you to take these classes that are like way beneath you. And then the other thing they do, and, and this is another, perhaps even more common situation is you'll end up having to take some, you know, blank studies and you'll show up and the professor will just be like, Hey, if you're just here, just log in once a week and I'll give you a C for the class. Like, I'm just, I'm, I'm yeah. really not trying to do anything here. Well, that's, that's theft, right? This is straight up theft. Yeah, You're that person in is paying a lot of money for this product. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I, you, you pay in college, you are paying per credit. So when there is a credit hour that, that is, you know, I am financing, 
that that is extremely unfair. And so, and of course it's regulated, you know, we, oh, well, you have to have these courses and those courses. And some colleges are worse than others, you know, and this will differ from college campus to college campus. But the bottom line is even if you're a U.S. geography teacher, you know, this is a real example I have in mind because it was probably the most egregious. I had a Chicano studies that was just you know, talk about why um, standardized testing is bad. And I dislike standardized testing, but I mean, there is some legitimate studying to do about Chicano heritage and none of it was done in this class, right? I mean, it was just, it was all about why standardized testing is bad. And then I took this US geography course and it was just, you know, I, I don't like George W. Bush, please write an essay on why you also don't like George W. Bush and you'll get an A. And like this, there's just so many courses and sometimes it's just like volleyball, like say you showed up and we'll just count you and we'll give you an A. And like, like I said, each one of these things is straight up theft, straight up theft of your services. You, there is a, an amount being paid. You're expected to pay. Maybe you took a loan out for it. Maybe you got a scholarship for it, maybe something, but somebody's paying for it. Right. I don't care who financed your hot dog. But if you don't get a hot dog yeah. <laughs> when when the money got paid, somebody's stealing from you, right? So this is this is robbery that almost every college graduate can relate to, mm-hmm. right? And this is how commonplace that robbery is. Think about it: if you just delete the classes that were worthless or beneath that that you had already proven that how you were able you to take save. in high school, think about how much you would save. Mm-hmm. And college is going to be at least that expensive, you know. And then furthermore, because of all the regulations, there are so many people that aren't allowed to participate. You know, one of the best courses we have for public schools, thank goodness, is like the Khan Academy. That's absolutely free, right? And so you can get your, you know, you can go all the way, you know, elementary school to high school on the Khan Academy if you want to. But can they do it for college? No, they absolutely cannot, you know? It's like, why should these guys be able to do it free with a couple of advertisements and some donors? Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden that experience is forced to stop at college? That is absolutely unfair. So much of our economy would be reduced to, I mean, look at TV, you know, ad banners or monthly subscriptions or something affordable and something that you can choose, you know? And instead what we have is this, no, college is this experience. There is no alternative experience. And that is, I think that's, there's a reason that the price got so inflated, obviously all these regulations. And then everybody kind of uh, blindly following the idea that a four-year degree is a way to get a job. When if you actually do want a liberal arts rounded degree or something like that, then that would be what you'd get, just the education. You know, it's not a way to get a career. I mean, obviously, it is helpful in some certain circumstances, but I really like the push for gray collar jobs. My uh, 14-year-old wants to attend our local career center and do, she's been looking into two careers. It would be uh, electrician, a commercial electrician, and or diesel mechanic. Because you go for like, you can go to like a year school, you can even do an apprenticeship, but a year school will really put you into a good job. I believe it's around $12,000 and you can walk into a place and make $75,000 a year and you have one loan that can actually be more reasonable. Some of these schools cost, you know, 5,000 to 7,000 for the year, but it's, to me, that's more practical and you're not sitting there studying, you know, basket weaving from some country (laughs) But I think that's looked down upon, which is really kind of sad because a lot of the people that will s- suffer because of these loans being forgiven, that $2,500, they didn't do that. They paid for, the, you know, they went and paid to take a trade school and go, you know, make money right away. And they're not in debt. You know, they're helping the economy. They're providing a service that you're going to need. So it 
that's the moral part that bothers me. It's not necessarily being mad at the people whose loans are forgiven. I think it's the fact that where where is the incentive to do what's right? So what what are your thoughts on that? Why should I need a four-year college degree and then another two years in order to teach about the works of Shakespeare when somebody who has to deal with uh, I mean, we'll we'll make it real tough. Electricians, right? You can kill yourself and you can kill others. Mm-hmm. And that's six months, three months. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's like, uh, okay, something isn't really syncing up here. Right. You know, that, there, that there's kind of a problem there. You know, uh, your pilot who's flying your plane can get that license in a few months. And yet, you know, if you want somebody who just yeah, I mean, there's a. I don't want to throw any degrees under the bus because I got a theology degree, right? I understand, and and I don't work in that field, so I totally understand that some of these degrees aren't always guarantees. I intentionally chose a degree that I could stay awake in class for. Yeah, and and well, you that's you wanted on, that's more on the education me. part. I think my daughter um identifies with that. She loves lectures and studying. She's just yeah. one of those type of people. So there is value in that, but mm-hmm. to think that that's what most people should do. It's ridiculous. Or or that, you know, I mean, you can outwit somebody from your personal studies. I have learned so much more after college than I did during college. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even throwing my college education under the bus. I had a couple of bad ones. I ended up going getting a great, my theology degree itself was actually a really good education. And they accepted a lot of credits that my other colleges weren't. Again, that's one of those things that varies college to college. Pick you a good one. Pick the one that takes the most of your credits. Cannot stress that enough, uh, especially if they'll give you, you know, uh, you know, in-state, community college, whatever's. Uh, you mentioned that a lot of people are like, oh, just get a degree. It doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't. Oh, that shouldn't be a thing for anything. <laughs> yes. Right. Like, I mean, and, and no. And I think it's starting to kind of manifest itself that that's not really how employers look at this anyhow. Mm-hmm. Right. Like. I don't have my degree in writing. I'm a professional writer because, and, and why is it? Because people click my articles when I write them yeah. and that's how I, that's how it is now. Should, I think that matters, right? Like, shouldn't that matter even more? Are people going to be upset that I didn't get like an eight year doctorate in like, you know, literature? Maybe, I guess, if you really want to be that way. But really, it's the market that said, I value Hody's work over this guy who's done eight years and got his doctorate, you know? And, and I think there's a very put up and shut up element or put up or shut up element that we've kind of lost to this. When we look at the history of universities, they used to be cheaper because they wanted that notoriety. You, and, and this is this is a kind of an interesting evolution throughout American history. You know, you look at Thomas Jefferson, who founded the University of Virginia. You know, or, or um, you know, so, some of these other you know founding fathers. It's like, and, and their colleges were very near and dear to them because they wanted to be able to say, if you go to my college, the the reason that matters is because it, a law degree from here matters more than a law degree from over there because our education is just that darn good. And so the competitive part was providing you the maximum value in those classes. Mm -hmm. Right now, it's all just graduation rates. You know, it's just how many people graduate, how many people slugged through it, slogged through it, you know, and they would cut you a deal because they wanted smart people coming to their colleges. And they also wanted to say, hey, we can take anybody and look, we can turn them into an absolutely brilliant lawyer, you know. And so you go from that and then you even look at certain colleges 
Here's what another one that lost their way, but UC California Berkeley, which didn't even charge tuition because, and, and I mean, Stanford, there's a bunch of other colleges in this fold that are like, well, we don't charge tuition. Well, how do they make money? There's because still a the college gr- like that, by the way. There are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, and you say, well, somebody has got to be paying for it. Well, they are. Mm-hmm. What it is, is you graduate, you find this multi-million dollar job and the college just has its hands out and say, would you like to throw some of that back out of gratitude Mm -hmm. and people will pay for that gratitude. Now you might think like, oh, that sounds like inner city stuff. No, it's the elite colleges that do this. It's those Ivy League colleges that really are doing Mm -hmm. this, you know? And so, and and not every Ivy League college, but, you know, I'm just throwing out very well reputed, you know, ones with great reputations that, that function this way. And to say that that's, that's really the way it's kind of more supposed to work is let me prove to you how good my education is. When you go to, you know, a restaurant, for them to retain your business, they've got to give you a great experience there at the restaurant. Colleges are not that way anymore. They want to show you how easy it is to get their degree. Hey, we want you to pay this money, but we'll make it really easy on you. Just please show up for these classes. Hey, listen, like, you know, we we just we really need you here. We need your attendance is, is you know, we're padding our stats is what we need. Well, that's not a restaurant, right? Like that's not as that's not competitive, yeah. you know, and, and because it's regulated, they kind of don't have any interest in being competitive. Mm-hmm. And again, as you mentioned earlier with these loans, they've their prices aren't competitive either. So the education you're getting is poor, uh, much more poor than than it should be in a market society. Because I mean, I think there's, and, and I'm not saying that this should all be like socialized because all colleges should be the same. No, there should be some where it's like, I want to pay like a lot of money for this college. And then people look at that and they're like, whoa, that's like an intense education over there. I can't believe you did that. But then there also needs to be colleges that are like, I can put all the coursework up online. Like right now, and you can do it from home, you know, and you can get this information from home and then have, and then you say, well, how do I know they're any good? Let their work, let their Mm -hmm. work speak for itself. You know, if you know that if there's a, a, you know, a surgeon who graduated from Dorkstown university and Dorkstown, uh, their surgeons keep killing people. Well, you're not going to employ, you know, their, their, their medical degree means nothing. Yes. Right. And that's how it should be versus saying like, hey, look at all these economists. They they went, they got their degree from this free college online. They're actually doing surprisingly well in that field. And they're giving people great financial advice. I think maybe we should point more people in that direction. That's the kind of stuff that price-wise gets paid for by advertisements, ad banners. And this is the kind of thing that, again, the market would do it. There's a right, series of laws that say they aren't permitted. You're yes. not allowed to put this so textbook how do we fix that? <laughs> online. You're not allowed to put this course material online. You know, it's funny because like I said, like Khan Academy will let you do it. And even then, like after like a huge amount of begrudging, you know, you look at college, they're not allowed to do anything. Right. They I mean, still you, use that old, like, hi, you have to buy this book, even if it's an ebook or whatever. Like, come, oh on, for, come on, really? <laughs> How much does it cost to put ink on a page? I know. I mean, this is something, uh, and, and, and beyond that, uh, how much does it take to put ink on the internet? Yeah. Right. Like you're looking at like next to nothing. This should absolutely be something again. It's stuck in, it's stuck in an old century yeah. because I mean, Keynesianism, you're spending money. So that helps our, our income identity equation. So the more money you spend, the better it is. You know, that's yeah. why you get these like healthy wartime economies. That's, that's only because of how we define economics. Again, 
That's a totally. Se- I'm not going to. I'm not going to overthrow the Federal Reserve on you know, this episode. But, but- so, so basically, <laughs> what we're talking about, like this loan forgiveness, but it goes. It's it's much deeper because there's a problem that wasn't solved. This is one of the problems. There's no competition for for your universities or to your you know community colleges. And so because of regulation, they're not allowed to do certain things that would let them compete. And so it's just going to keep, you know, cycling over and over. And then, you know, with the government doing what they do with our economy, things are just going to keep getting higher and higher and higher. And then they'll have to figure out a way for somebody, you know, to borrow $150,000 a year. And that's not going to be that person borrowing and it's going to be all of us. Right. Uh, You were talking about private, um, like, trade schools and things like that or oh, yeah. universities that will do that. And it's actually really interesting because in you places that are less regulated, like I know to be a cosmetologist or a hairdresser, people probably think, oh, you can go to the vocational school and do that and just go take your licensure test. You absolutely can. Um, and it's a decent paying job. Actually, I know a lot of people that work their way up and own their own, but you can also pay $25,000 for one year of the Paul Mitchell school. And you will go into a salon where you get like are like a master stylist. You can make a hundred grand easy, you know. So these those exist like because they're not regulated by the government saying you can't sell this and only this person can do this and this is this degree and you can't put this out there. And I think that people do value a better education. You know, if I saw that somebody went and spent money they didn't have to at that place, I think this probably is person is the one that I want doing my hair. <laughs> you know. Um, so I, I think one of the solutions that we could have is, like you said, the market is forcing people to stop looking at degrees or the market is saying, how about a career? And this is what we can offer you for less time, a better price and a better pay and less debt later on. That's what we can do now, because I don't think that the ins- the higher education institutions and the government much care about reforming it. Why would they? They don't have any incentive. Yeah, you're spot on on all those points. There's... It works for them because spending is good, right? And then if people have to take out debt, you have control over them. So that's good, right? Like, I mean, from a political standpoint, these people got to eat out of your hand um, and you've really got a lot of control over them. Um, And then, and really it's just, and then, you know, you got control over the type of education that they receive. How, I don't know if there's anything, more powerful mechanism that the government has, and I'm including the Department of Defense in this as well, uh, than something that says, here's what you are allowed to learn and here's what you are not allowed to learn. Uh, That is uh, an absolutely terrifying thing, just philosophically speaking. Well, yeah, and you can Um, go back, and I'm comparing it to slavery as the idea. I'm not saying it's the same as actually owning a whole, but it's it's the same concept. You don't get to know these things because that might make you do something different that I don't want you to do. You know, that's, right. that's a concept. Um, yep. So there would be things that even if I was a mini statist or I believe, you know, it, sure. any rollback of government, I'm okay with. So mm-hmm. I always thought the idea would be, why don't you just make the whole student loan payments that somebody's making tax deductible, the whole thing, principal and interest? Wouldn't that be a way not to hurt anybody and to help people? Yeah, if we're, <laughs> if we're taking off our anarchy hats for a moment, <laughs> yes. uh, that's a great idea. Let me put my little beanie hat on and my <laughs> tiny little gun. <laughs> Have them deal with bankruptcy the same way everything else deals with bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, the you'll hear it's one of the few loans where you can end up owing way, you know, you owe more now yeah. than when you got it. You know, even with a credit card, 
Right. You, oh, they, you know. they'll shut down a payday lender, but they'll do the same thing. You know. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, at least with a credit card. If I owed a thousand dollars and I've been making my minimum payments, but I haven't used the credit card, at least my credit card will be lower. Yeah. Maybe not very much. Right. But at least it will be lower because of the way uh, the you know the flexible rates of inflation rates. It's very possible that if you've been making your minimums, you owe more and more and mm-hmm. more. And now here's the big thing. Is they know like you say, well, why didn't they do this with like a house or with a car? Well, that's because there's actually something to recapture, mm-hmm. you know, like there, there's a car in place, there's a house in place, you know, something for us to recapture. Your education is something that stays with you. And the other thing is it doesn't actually cost as much as it does. So when somebody does default on their loans and they just say, you know, hey, we gave this person four years of moderate education, <laughs> They've paid us $40,000 of their $200,000 in loans. Actually, we probably came out positive on $40,000 for what we actually delivered. We told them it was $200,000. That's what we charged them. You know, like, I mean, this would be the equivalent of a restaurant saying your steak dinners are, you know, we'll just say $6,000. And it's like, well, this, you know, most people... Oh, they're not good. They defaulted on their loan. They only paid you $50 of the steak dinner. $50 was what the steak actually cost. (laughs) So am I really that upset? You know what I mean? So like, this is kind of what the free market would, would like want to do with these loans. Even if you're a minarchist, you can at least accept that, Hey, some of these loans, I mean, lenders got to take a, get bust in the chops all the time. Yeah. All the time. Well, yeah. And so you if you just about say, foreclosures, is hard to do because it costs. Yeah. Sometimes it costs the lender a lot of money, <laughs> you know, to yep. foreclose on a house. So they're they they're they will try to work with you sometimes if they think they can get something back out of you. Oh yeah, you know, depending yep. on the market. But and obviously in this case, you're right. It's it's set up like that because you can't take an education back. I mean, who knows? Maybe one day they'll like try to slice out a piece of your brain or something. <laughs> oh, I put my anarchy hat back on. Sorry, I'll take that off. Um. <laughs> I did it too. I did it too. I started talking about the market and I was like, oh no, I'm supposed to be thinking like a minarchist for a moment. Thing is, this is a very minarchist position. I mean, it's really something that that minarchists, you know, should should be leading the the charge on because yeah. government interference in this has been beyond incompetent and it's created the entire problem. Even if you want to say, like, you know, hey, there's you know, there's got to be some form of regulation here, you know. Uh, if you're a minarchist and you just say, hey, I want people having the confidence of knowing that every single theology major is 12 credits of math, you know, you can at the very least say, hey, can we say four credits of math and maybe make that like algebra or better? You know what I mean? As opposed <laughs> to, you know, like or, yeah. or like pre-algebra, but, you know, like just the basics. Very easy to do. Very easy to do. Like I said, this is one of the most regulated, even more than public schools. This is very heavily regulated and be very easy to just say like, hey, maybe requiring 20 credits of social studies for an engineering major isn't something we need anymore. And maybe I still value that, but maybe let's scale that back to four or eight. Hey, maybe instead of saying, I mean, you look at how they try to fit everything in a box, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody, if you graduate, it's 120 credits, right? So everybody's got to into that 120 credit box. Hey. Maybe we find that some of these degrees we're giving out are 90. Maybe they're 65 credits. Maybe they're 127 credits. Why aren't we playing this by ear? Why are we all of a sudden sitting down at the drawing board and saying like, oh, I ran out of credits. I got to get it up to 120 if I'm going to make a whole degree out of this. 
hmm, shoot, you know, no, we don't have to do that. Uh, thankfully, we can we can say, you know, we can say, hey, let's change the regulations, you know, and just say, maybe instead of 120 credits for your degree, it's a different amount. It's a different number. And then all of a sudden people are going to be like, well, then all bachelor's degrees are going to be different. All degrees oh, no. already are different. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. All jobs are different. The jobs we have to prepare people for are all different. It's that oh. old, it's that old left, right think where, you know, you can't imagine something working. You're going to imagine the worst thing happening. So you'll just keep what's bad right now that you actually yep. know is bad. And so something that's possibly bad <laughs> down in the future, you know, yep. <laughs> it's that whole evil, you know, thing. Yeah. Yes. And people will take the evil they know over Way too much, you know, way too much. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, go ahead. If you want to talk bad about the left and the right, we can do that. No. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> this kind of goes into that because so a lot of people, you know, we talked about the morality of it and why it personally it, it, it does hurt people. It's not net neutral um, and it, it gives a bad moral moral imperative for people. There's it. it it decreases incentive for people to do what's right. And that's always a bad thing. That is my issue with it. But I do understand, like we were saying, it's not a system that's built for people to succeed. Some people, but not all people to succeed. So I'm not necessarily angry at people having their loans forgiven because I feel like they were raised to think this is the only thing they should do. They got into it. Half of them don't. Have you ever read the whole contract when you signed a loan? Now, I personally have, but most people don't. Okay. No. <laughs> so do you think that person that doesn't even have their frontal, prefrontal cortex developed has read this, understands the nuance and understands what's going to happen in life? Yes, I believe they still signed a contract, but I do believe it was predatory and I'm not angry that somebody had that forgiven from them. I'm angry at the people that did it in the first place. Yeah. You look at the simplicity of a contract in an NCAP society versus the complexity of the contract you have in a status society. And it's really, this is an apples to oranges. It is nowhere close to the same. Um, look, I, I don't know what the number is. I think it's like 97% of people fire, file their taxes wrong. This yeah. is not a matter of you being smart. This is a matter of the tax code just being so unbelievably yeah, complex. You could have a tax attorney right. that went to an Ivy League school and they don't understand most of it. They only understand a little part that they're supposed it's, to. Uh, I believe if you were to actually try to read our entire tax code for like most states, you would die of old age before you got through it, right? I feel so like any if anybody would try <clears throat> to do that, you would though. Just I do. <laughs> you're one of those people that reads the whole act. I, I am on page 240 of the uh, Inflation Reduction Act, and that <laughs> I could I. I need to do a whole episode on that because that is uh, as bad as bad can be. But uh, it is something that I do. I do enjoy doing. And even I look at that and I'm just like, well, this is these are pages taller than a human being is tall, yeah. you know, and and it, even if you read through it, let's say you read it through. Let's say you read it through. Are you going to remember all of it? There's a zero <laughs> percent chance, right? The three percent who filed their taxes lucky, like, right. They got lucky. They're lucky. They're not good. <laughs> You know, so or they or you know, it's just really simple for them to file. I, so the I, do you remember? I think it was on Fox News when the Affordable Care Act was being proposed and they're trying to pass it. They had like some like person that had like an eidetic memory that was a ultra reader, like trying to read it. <laughs> <laughs> like this is the type of person you need to be if you're yeah. actually you, you need to have something that most people in society consider like a severe disability. Yeah. 
you know what I mean? In order to actually remember everything that's like in this thing. So the thing is, is with these contracts, even if you do read through them, there's no way you're going to remember every single, you know, thing here and there. And the other thing is when it's your only choice, because like I said, with the regulations, you don't have an option, you know, you don't have the option of doing something else. I mean, even employers who will pay for your education, they sign, they, they pay for it on your behalf but they're still signing the same contract. It's not like they get to all of a sudden like craft their own type of type of loan. So this is why you really should not be fighting like your neighbors for taking it. Look, we're all out 2,500 bucks no matter what. So if you have two, 10,000 bucks in loan debt, take it. I, I mentioned the, the CARES Act loophole on the show because I think I would do, <laughs> you should do it if you can. The money's given out. Like you not taking it is not making it go away. Right. If any, and, you and know. also if you've paid heavily into um, the tax system, and that doesn't even include just taxes on all levels, it includes inflation. You're paying a tax. It's yep. just you know it. You don't have to file it. You just have to pay it every day. Right. Um, it's not. It's like so not taking take your it social back. security. That's stupid. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's like yeah. I mean, you paid into it and you got ripped off on the rate that they gave you. But there's no reason for you not to take it. I mean, yeah. then then you just leave it in the hands of the warmongers. Well, that's not good either. Yeah. So look, just take them. You know, this is why I say it. You shouldn't be mad at your neighbors. The system is really bad. The system is di- designed intentionally bad. Um, I don't think it's any accident that we'll be here four years later. Because, uh, I mean, this is all kinds of stuff. So I'll I'll use the Inflation Reduction Act example again. Um, The ACA is subsidized for another three years. Um, Everything else in the Inflation Reduction Act is financed for like 10 years, right? It's this 10-year push out. Well, why three years for the ACA before the, the American Affordable Care Act goes bankrupt? Oh, because that's right before the next, or the right after the next presidential election. Of course. Right. Like, so there's a political timing to this. Right. Mm -hmm. So even with this right now, like it's politically timed. Politicians are being manipulative and you can't you shouldn't blame the manipulated. You should blame the manipulator. Right. These these people are are the ones that deserve your scorn. It's not your neighbor's fault. You don't say you need to read your contracts better. Shut up. Like we said, like Trisha was saying, you don't read your contracts very well. (laughs) Right. Like nobody does. You and know, I, because <laughs> I made a post about that, too, because I worked in two jobs. Um, I'm an insurance agent and I was a leasing agent for years. So I would sit and go over contracts with people. And I do think something else that would happen more in a voluntary society is that the person explaining it should explain it to the person receiving it. Obviously, when they're getting these student loans from these banks, that's not they don't care. <laughs> that has nothing to do with it. Where when I went through a lease, I need to make somebody understand what would happen. Or if somebody denied coverage, I need to say why you need it. And the fact that you're denying it puts you in danger. Here's the parameters of it. I think that's important. Most people don't understand contracts. But there's a reason when student loans come about. Because what? where is the incentive to sit down with an 18-year-old and be like, listen, this might get really bad. <laughs> no, they want to close on a loan, you know? Right. And, and because the economy doesn't give you the option of simplicity. Right we end up having like every it's which complicated loan do you want? So don't say, Oh, you know, this was really, you know, it's really unfair. Like, look, they wanted the education and it's, it's like not having a kid because of the economy. Well, that's not really fair, right? Like I should be able to say, I feel like my calling is as a father, I'd be able to raise the kid really well. And just because politicians can't manage their money, I have to say, I'm not having a kid. 
I totally understand people who say F that I'm, I'm not right. playing that game. If you deserve the higher education, you put in the work, you deserve the effort, you'd be able to pay for whatever the actual market value would be. Am I going to blame you for taking out a loan to say, well, you know, I, I, I deserve this. I put in all the work. I did everything I can do on my end. I can't control the mm-hmm. fed. I can't control yeah. politicians. I try my best. Sure. I show up, you know, I vote, I vote at the polls. I, I, I do what I know how to do. Look, that is not, it is unfair to ask of somebody, oh, you should just pass on the education when they put in the work for it. Right. And the education should be, like I said, guys, this could be as simple as an ad banner at the top of an internet screen. I mean, we've had pills that go from free with an advertisement on a label to six digits a dose. Yeah. And this is this is something government does. They do it a lot in healthcare. So many parallels with this in healthcare. Trisha, you mentioned, you know, you're paying, you're paying for you know, the system of failure is what you mentioned. It's designed for you to fail. Healthcare, nine tenths of the patients can't afford what they're getting, you know, and but that's it doesn't matter because the thing is, is we charge 10 times what it costs. Mm-hmm. So as long as 10% of the people pay the full cost of the thing. I'm making up for all those losses. Now, that doesn't mean I'm going to let those other people go. I'm still going to hound them all the time. I'm still knocking on their doors. But that's not fair. Mm-mm. That's not fair. That's not what it's supposed to be like. So the fact that people are need to change their behavior, you know, to to get what they deserve, to get what they can afford, but society, and I won't say society, government has made unaffordable for them, is extremely unfair to them, and it's not the right way to treat them. They put in the work. They are Don't blame the victim. They are victims in this scenario. If you've gone to college and you forked over tons of cash, you are a victim in this scenario. It should have been a lot cheaper. If you didn't go to college, you are a victim in this scenario, not just by the $2,500, but because if you say, oh, I couldn't afford it, so I didn't go, even though I put in the work, that's not fair. You know, that's not, people aren't getting what they deserve and what the market would want them to have. And these regulations are designed to keep you from getting any of those things. It's extremely barbaric. Um, it, it's really Orwellian. It, it, it's, I mean, it, it, dystopian. Use any bad term you want for it. But it really is beyond kind of what you would think. Of course, we talk about simple changes that we can try to make to push for as far as legislation goes. But this is a big system and you would have to dismantle the entire thing. Even if you wanted to put it back together again, it's broken to the point where it does need like a very serious dismantling before we were to try and fix the problem. And so, unfortunately, we don't have a simple solution to dismantle it. Um, You know, you can petition the politicians all day long that doesn't really do much good and it seems like we're just keep you know snowballing down into this debt hell of yep. forgiving everything that ever but i think some things we can do to be hopeful as an anarchist are kind of what i mentioned before what you did mm-hmm. pick and choose what you can do um if if you want to do a gray collar career or if you want to get a four year degree figure out the cheapest and best degree to get like really think about it and this starts with parents educating their children or any young person you know. Maybe it's a young kid you work with or somebody you mentor. Let Give them what actually happens once you graduate from school or leave home. Give them an example of it. Ask them what they want and help them find a way to do it. Because the more educated that person making that choice is, the less power it gives to you know the government and the authorities that don't want them to be educated or have a choice. So it really starts when they're young. It's very important to teach your children about debt, 
which is something public school doesn't do, <laughs> which is insane. Not, not, you know, I'm not a public school fan, but they don't teach them about debt, about loans, about amortization tables, about bankruptcies. These are things that, you know, pe- kids should be taught, even sim- simple, you know, ways to look at it. You know, if you take this back, you're going to owe more, you know. You're not guaranteed a job when you come out in this. Here's a possibility of getting a higher paid job without a loan. You know, those types of situations. What are your thoughts about ways, what we can do now? Uh, Your prescriptions are very good. There is no substitute for expecting government to ever be a substitute for morality is always bad. So you should always seize whatever morality you can. Teach them at home. Teach them about earnings. You can teach them about this system if you want. But more importantly, like... I, I love being in the idealist anarchist and just talking about the philosophy because it's hardcore. It's cool. It gets people excited, gets people radicalized, but we're in the system. We're in it. Right. So like, this isn't one of those, I don't want people doing like waiting for anarchy to happen and then spending their whole lives having waited for anarchy to happen, <laughs> yes, you know, know, so quite a few of those people. <laughs> right, me too. <laughs> and so the thing is you need to expect that, that this is the system that we're in and guide people through that. Hey, Maybe you do deserve it, but maybe it'd be better for you to hold off on a few years. Maybe do this first, you know, try something else. Um, encourage kids with their creativity. Uh, one of the things that I would like to point out, especially for myself, like I said, I don't have a degree as a writer. Well, how do I get a job as a writer? Because people click my stuff, right? So now this, a lot of people think, oh, well, that's like social media influencers, right? I need people to like click my page and that's really hard. Well, you don't have to do it that way. You know, if you know a lot about medicine and you're not allowed to practice medicine as a doctor, try throwing some interesting medical stuff up there and just seeing how many people will click on what you found or your YouTube videos or discussions. Again, this doesn't have to be social media. This can be something that you write or, you know, something like sales, you know, to just say like, hey, here's something that can help you know, hey, this would have helped me if I became a doctor. Maybe this is something that can help you design something and have it sold. Um, I cannot reiterate enough. If you see a job that pays you not a flat wage, but pays you per how well you do or performance, that's probably going to be a really great job. Yeah. Um, if it's in an area that you, I'll specify, if it's in an area that you're passionate in. Um, and so if you see jobs, if you think here are my passions and here's what I like to do, Look, I'm a writer in the video game industry. I can tell you right now, people do not care about your college degree when you're a, they might want to see a little bit if you're like a programmer, but let's say you're a designer, right? Let's say I design figures. I want something to look really good on the screen or an artist. If you have an eight-year art degree, that means nothing. They want to see something, right? If what you can produce with no degree looks amazing, you're going to find a job in the video game industry. You absolutely will. And so this is something, and and, uh, I will say, I know I've repped Khan Academy a little bit. They'll teach you They'll teach you some C++ guys. They'll teach you some coding classes. They'll teach you some programming. So if you just say like, hey, I didn't go to college, but I'm really great at programming, Oh my gosh, job offers, uh, floods. You can't won't be able to stop all the job offers. Your mailbox will be jammed full and you're going to have a real problem trying to tell people, no, I'm sorry, I'm really committed to this employer right now. So there's really great successful things that people are doing that are kind of bucking the system. Mm-hmm. 
because we are, and I think maybe that's one of the best things about the internet era. We're really in a place where we're figuring out where people actually value. Did they value your degree or did they value the what you brought to their lives? The value that you added to their lives. Is that what they're willing to pay for it? You know, if I can create a guide in a video game that helps you find 100 sculptures in the Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, that creates value for some people. Maybe not everybody, but there's a lot of people who say, man, that's a really valuable guide to have around. I'm so glad it's just a click away. I'll keep clicking on this guy's thing. And advertisers, I mean, they don't even pay me. This is free stuff. Advertisers just say like, hey, can can I get like a banner or something on your screen, please? And I'll say, oh, sure. You know, yeah. hey, pay me this per click, you know, every for pay me this per view. You know, every time somebody views my page, you know, even if they don't buy a single thing from you, you know, I get money from this. Mm -hmm. So like there are absolutely ways to get around the system and really kind of avoid playing the classic game that you're supposed to play. Yeah. Um, I would really stress that there's a lot of fear that's created around that, especially from older generations to say, I didn't get my college degree. I did something else instead. There's a fear there. Um, for people who did get their college degree and say, I don't know if they're going to be okay. If you have a passion and a moderate work ethic, you're going to be fine. Take those deep breaths. I would say stop pushing college on kids if it's not something, uh, encourage them if they do, right? Um, there's a lot of scholarships out there. Um, there are scholarships every year. This is um, this is my final piece of advice. There's scholarships every year that go without an applicant. Um, and a lot of times they're goofball. They're yeah. like Burger Burger King Kids Club. They're, you know, <laughs> something just Delta Airlines, you know. There's a lot uh, of resources on the internet that will tell you about obscure scholarships. Uh, my daughter ended up applying for, I tried to get her to write um, uh essay on the Fountainhead because they, uh -huh. Ayn Rand said <laughs> she wouldn't do it. Yeah, <laughs> just little things like that, and it could be fifteen hundred dollars here, or two thousand dollars there, but it does add up. So, oh, way adds up. I mean, sometimes it's big chunks. They'll give you twenty thousand, or they'll pay for the whole thing if you get it. And sometimes they're just a thousand dollars here and there. Hey, a thousand dollars for a five five paragraph essay is not a bad day's yeah. work, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so if you really want to go to college, don't always accept that you have to get a loan no matter what. Um, or I that you have to go right right out of high school. Oh, that's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> you Take know, that. go get go get a sales job for 4 years, you're going to have a lot of money. You might not want to go to college after that. Take a moment. Might. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, when I when I got into, you know, I was trying to make my degree work and then I got that job in the restaurant industry and it was just like, oh, I'm making a lot of money. And I mean, a lot. And and I could work 20 hours a week and be making more than I was before in mortgage when I was working 45 hours a week. Yeah. This is really the way to go. I would and even so say you, insurance. You can go, um, there's several different lines you can get, but each class is yeah. about a 40 hour to 80 hour class. Yep. Um, you get it. You pay 600 bucks for each one and you can start a job at 40,000 plus commission. Yeah. That's no debt. That's nothing, you know. <laughs> right. So it's and there are some things, I mean, people will pay for you to to do it. Um, there's a mm -hmm. lot of licenses that you can get where people are like, hey, we're short on this. Real estate um, will do that a lot. Yeah. Real estate will do it a lot. Uh even stuff like <laughs> uh morticians. Mm -hmm. Uh there's actually kind of a shortage there right now. Really? Um, That's actually a pretty lucrative job. Yeah, it it is. Um, there are certain things even in the medical industry you that you heard it from Hody and Trish, people. I'm sorry to interrupt you, Hody, but go take care of dead people. 
yeah. this is your way out of college. This is this is a great way, <laughs> you know. And so if you just say, "Hey, they're short, but I'm interested in doing the job. I'll get the degree and I'll agree to work for you afterwards." You know, that's that's a golden situation, you know. And and there are places like that. I mean, even take them up, take them up on these offers. Cause a lot of people don't, if you decide to get a job at McDonald's, cause they said, Hey, we will pay for your economics degree while you're here. Hold them to it. Mm-hmm. Don't feel bad. Like it's going to be complicated, <laughs> yeah. but because of course that's how it works. It's like trying to get a warranty, right? Nobody yeah. wants you to use the warranty, right? They don't think it's actually going to happen, but right, you know. they don't <laughs> think it's going to happen, but you, you, so make it happen. If they say, Hey, I'll pay for your college degree. If you come man the fast food window for four years, mm-hmm. take them up on the offer, you know, and just say, sure, I, I, I can live a moderate life, you know, and, and I can, you know, if I can make this amount of time and you may be really busy, I mean, working and going to school at the same time is really hard, mm-hmm. um, really hard. And so I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, maybe your four yeah. year degree should take eight years and that's also be okay with that. Also yeah. be okay with summer classes. Don't be afraid and just saying, I'll get a credit here or there. You know, if it's show up to this class and it's a, you know, it's some test. I took a test at one of the colleges that I went to. It was kind of the equivalent of like an IQ test. And they were just like, well, you clearly don't need any math, right? And they were just like, and I was just like, that's 20 credits. That's mm-hmm. 20% of my degree done because I showed up to take some goofball test, yeah. right? Like do not, I, I think, seek these opportunities. There are out there. And a lot of people don't take them because it's just not common. It's just not orthodox, it's just not normal, you know? Yeah. And But be the not normal one. <laughs> there. There is a a wild world out there of people that have found loopholes in a lot of these regulations, and you should abuse yes, everyone. Yes, called of our them. favorite. They're called agorists. Yes, <laughs> the people that find the best loopholes. <laughs> but normies do it too. But yeah. Um, well, this was really interesting, and I'm glad we talked about it because I did find myself falling a little bit more on the anger side, even though in my mind I knew that wasn't justified. Emotionally, it was just like, hey. I, I feel like we keep getting kicked, like my husband and I were like, and it's just like, we just keep paying for everything. And you look at other people are like, why are you doing this to me? But that's not some, there are some people that do purposely game the system. So those people aside, it's not, it's not those people you should be angry at. It's the people that did it in the first place. So, and, and find a way around it. What are your final thoughts, Hody? Yeah. You know, the Octo Mom is a rare thing. Yeah. You know, it's I like yeah, to this... know a few people that actually do live like that, but I know more people that don't. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. And the, the and the thing is, is it's by design. We we prop up the Octo Mom and the people who do it because we want you to think that everybody is like this. Yeah. The more time you spend fighting with your neighbor, the more time you get into this left right metronome, mm-hmm. and this just empowers politicians. And have some fake idea about millennials eating avocado yeah. toast and not working. Because that's yeah. actually the opposite. Of, well, the avocado toast part is it, which is good. I like avocado toast. But you know, something <laughs> it's great. It's okay. I love avocado toast too. I don't mean. Uh, one of the things that you learn in sales is to turn everything into a positive, right? And it's one of the best lessons I learned when I was at the restaurant. Instead of saying, "Hey, I'm so sorry you had to wait," saying, "Hey, thank you for your patience," right? Just people just feel better about this. Yeah. So if you're going to sell this idea, if we understand the government's the problem, and you see people like fighting about this, like I said, like you should validate how they feel. And so just say, hey, it's not fair. I'm paying the price for something. I already paid mine off. That's not fair. You can say yes. 
And then at the same time, I've talked about the person who had to take out the loans who says, well, I'm having to pay these. I'm in over my head. And you can say yes to both of these people. So this really is something that I think this is one of the rare topics that you can kind of transcend the divide on. This isn't like abortion where they're like, it's either a life or it's not. This is something where you can kind of give everybody what they want in this. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think the left and the right are very, uh, I mean, they can get crazy, but there's a lot of common sense on this issue. I don't know anybody that when I mentioned the different credit hours and making them all 120, why? Nobody's going to defend it. Nobody. Like there's nobody that's going to defend the- theology majors having to take you know, 12 credits of mathematics courses that they've planned, that they've already shown that they have, uh, that they can graduate from. If you have somebody who's gotten an A in calculus and you send them back to pre-algebra, nobody with common sense is going to defend it. You look at the economic system that we've created around this and all these unique special laws for these student loans because they wouldn't function otherwise. And people would just say, well, that's, that's not right. I mean, nobody thinks it's right. There's nobody who thinks this system is not broken or is well-managed or is well-regulated or is well-maintained. And so this is something that you can kind of cross left and right barriers on. Mm -hmm. There are some people who are going to say, it's forgiveness. It's not debt. And like, there may be some correction you have to do. Yeah. Some people just don't understand how economics work. Right. And you can teach them to understand where that, why do I, should I have to pay for this guy thing? But I think everybody can come together and say, we really need to fix these issues, you know? And and I think that this is something that we kind of, it gives us the opportunity to talk about it like this and to say, all right, well, now that we've kind of all got it in front of us, I think 99% of Americans are going to be like, oh yeah, that's screwed up. And the changes are looking at us in the face, you know? So really, I think this is a great selling point for Liberty right now. I think, I think student loan forgiveness, forgiveness is a great, uh, a great point for libertarians to kind of start at. If you're going to reach other people that normally it's very difficult to reach. Um, Because I think just, even if you, even if you only ever get them in this area, people try to be like, oh, I converted them to full anarchists or full libertarians. Let them stay Republicans and Democrats. But if they recognize that the system is broken and demand change, that's a really cool thing. I mean, we've yeah. managed to change drug laws mm-hmm. by people still being registered Republicans and Democrats and both have really crappy history with drug laws, right? But we can make the changes by having most people all of a sudden be like, yeah, this is messed up. What's going on? And that's definitely something that we can achieve within our lifetimes regarding higher education. Well, I love your when you're positive about things. <laughs> that's why I love to have you on because honestly, it can get pretty bleak out there, especially in the world of social media um, or when I visit people that have a real strong political leaning one way or the other that are my friends. And I just get so depressed. But at the end of the day, we can take advantage of this and we can also take advantage of things that will change the system. And I hope that one day this is rolling down this hill to where it implodes <laughs> and the prices decrease automatically. You know what I mean? Cause it, it's not sustainable, but in the meantime, we will be here to guide you into becoming morticians and, <laughs> and game writers. <laughs> <laughs> All the great jobs. <laughs> Yes. Dead bodies in Mario three guys. We're, <laughs> you're ready. <laughs> okay. I'm going to end this show as I always do. Thanks for listening guys. I wish you peace, grace, love, and fuck the state.